You're listening to The Souvenir Shop, a podcast about random objects from the past. Number 21. Bambi. A translucent slide about a yard long, bearing my surname in capital letters. When I house-sat for my brother Andrew in his Brick Lane flat nearly four decades ago, it's joined an identical slide already blue-tacked on the bedroom wall. There can't be that many siblings who, a couple of years apart, both sat on their respective university challenge teams. Sometime, during the middle of my second year studying drama at Hull University, I was sitting in the student union coffee bar with my friend Gary. They're holding a quiz in ten minutes to see who gets on the university challenge team, he said. Are you coming along? No, I'll give it a miss. Oh, come on. We're both bound to be in with a chance. Oh, all right then. I'll come. The upshot was that Gary came nowhere and I was made captain. I should mention at this point that my family has some form in the field of television panel games. As far back as 1958, my father briefly made the tabloids as the first jackpot winner on Granada TV's Criss Cross Quiz. In the 1980s, my brother John lasted a whole week on Countdown, while researching an article about game shows. And then there's my brother Andrew. He made it to the finals of Mastermind, 15 to 1 and Brain of Britain, before sweeping up a large chunk of money on the chase about a year ago. My mother, who always finished the Guardian crossword before her morning tea got cold, never felt the need to join in with this testosterone fueled ego fest. Good for her. A month-long strike by ITV technicians put any recording of University Challenge on hold, and it wasn't until late in 1979 that the message came through that we were to be at the Granada Studios in Manchester on a Wednesday in November. The producer introduced the contestants to each other and to the host, Bamba Gascoigne. His handshake was like a dead fish, after which he entirely blanked the whole team, preferring to enter into an animated conversation with the lads from Queen's College, Cambridge. As a maudlin alumnus, he was no doubt keen to catch up on whether they still gathered at Jesus Green or for any gossip about the St John's Mayball. One of the Queen's students, a tall and terribly well-spoken and immaculately dressed man, asked me, for some reason if we all went to university straight from school. I did, but I can't speak for the others, I replied. He considered my answer carefully. I'd never have guessed that this very proper and well-mannered undergraduate had spent three months prior to his admission to Cambridge at Her Majesty's pleasure in Puckle Church Remand Centre for credit card fraud. Listeners in the know will by now have guessed that this member of the Queen's team was Stephen Fry, making his television debut. We lost against Queen's. Not badly, our score crept into three figures, but my 15 minutes of fame ended abruptly. All I can say about this is that the next time you're watching University Challenge and laughing at the team still on 30 points with five minutes to go, consider how nearly everything depends on their speed with the buzzer for those all-important starter questions. 
I remember pressing the buzzer and nearly every time enduring the pain of a Queen's opponent getting their first. It's not so much a case of give us some easy ones, Bambi, as you snooze, you lose. But thinking back, it was more about the programme itself. In common with Coronation Street and Blue Peter, University Challenge had been on TV ever since I could remember. And being on the set with Gascoigne asking the questions and Jim Pope yelling, Diamond Hull, when I pressed the buzzer, was too strange an experience to enable my best quiz form. Whatever else, I would have liked to have won, but it wasn't to be. Before leaving the Granada studio, an underling handed me my diamond name slide, rolled up and secured with a rubber band. The team selection and supporters coach to and from Manchester was organised by Hull University's RAG Society. I honestly don't know if RAG Societies and RAG Weeks are still a thing. All I knew was that every year they performed a number of joyless stunts involving custard pies and produced an annual magazine stuffed with racist jokes, apparently excused by it all being in the name of charity. One of their bigwigs collared me just before our coach home arrived. Are you sorry you lost? he asked. Not really. It was the luck of the questions and who got to the buzzer first. Just one of those things. What? he yelled. Didn't you want to win? I stepped away, hoping I didn't have to sit near him on the coach home. So my first ever appearance on national television was not a disaster, but neither was there much to celebrate. The understandable pain of losing, however, would continue down the years, because every time a cheap clip show or career retrospective hones in on Stephen Fry, there I am with unruly hair and a midnight blue shirt, silently losing to Queen's. This clip is invariably followed by Fry's appearance as Lord Snot, representing Footlights College, Oxbridge. That infamous, and probably the best, episode of The Young Ones makes great play of Bamber Gascoigne's bias towards our two oldest universities. But the bigger question, I'm sometimes asked, having been a team member decades ago, is this. Are the questions under the Jeremy Paxman era easier? To which the answer has to be yes and no. The year ITV transmitted that episode, 1980, 70,000 people graduated with bachelor degrees. The figure for 2022 is over half a million. On my course, I believe I was the only undergraduate in my year not to have attended a selective or fee-paying school. So at the time of Bamber Gascoigne presenting the show, students in 1980 were more likely to have read Virgil and Juvenal, maybe in the original Latin, or to have learned about classical history or rhetoric. Watch the show now, and there are a lot more questions about science, pop culture and modern politics reflecting the wider sectors of society now attending uni. And from my armchair, I now get to snark at them along the lines of It's chicory tip, you idiot! Or Martin Amis in 1964. I encountered Stephen Fry many years later at, of all things, a Passover dinner. And over the lamb shank and bitter herbs, 
we reminisced and pieced together the events of that autumn day in 1979. Telling him about my blink-and-you'll-miss-him role in various clip shows, he was quick to remind me that the clip in question shows him stumbling over a question after pressing the buzzer. But Gascoigne always tended to go easy on the Oxbridge teams, didn't he? Fry demurred, and I changed the subject. Finally, about a decade ago, my wife's friend Sandra brought her two young daughters round to our house, and we watched Starter for Ten on Netflix, a fairly generic rom-com vehicle for James McAvoy. The film is set in the mid-1980s, and centres on the McAvoy character's appearance on University Challenge and the life-changing realisations the experience brings. Sandra's seven-year-old daughter turns to her mother. Is this a film about the olden days? Tempest Fugit, as Bamber would have probably said. Perhaps it's time to let the whole thing go. That was Bambi, written and read by Matthew Diamond. If you enjoyed this, then why not hit like and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you next time.